All right, welcome once again to take two of the Always 100 podcast with Noah Adcock. Uh, I say take two, and yo, I'm not editing this out, Noah, because um, my internet decided to go out right as, right as we were going to rip into a uh, little tink, uh, the Padres manager there and Chris Woodward in Texas and all that. But since Zoom decided to screw up, Noah, let me ask you again, before we get into football, baseball, Padres, Tatis Jr., Texas, Grand Slam, go. Quite simply, this is a bad look for baseball. This is a bad look for both the Padres and Rangers organizations. And it's a bad look for anybody that's going to be on the side of the managers right now. Woodward, take an exception to that when he's had multiple instances, both as a player, assistant coach, and full-on manager of having guys run up the score of swinging at 3-0 pitches. That's just part of the game. To say that it's not is foolish to say the least, and him getting upset about that just seems like misplaced anger because your guy threw a 3-0 fastball right down the middle when you were already getting killed. I think Tingler is even worse, even more guilty in this situation because your job as a manager, you have to be willing and able to back up your players. Those are your guys that you need to go to war for. You're there to protect them and be on their side, you know? So for him to publicly criticize Tatis for that action, for swinging at a 3-0 fastball and hitting a grand slam, because, I mean, nobody's going to have a problem with it if it's a 3-0 swing and he pops it up. He's just that good, and he hit an absolute missile. But for him to publicly condemn that and force Tatis to apologize, that's – that's some ridiculousness right there. And he's not the only one in that organization that feels that way. If you look back at some of the other alternate angles of that shot, as he was rounding the bases, you know, you saw H. Dave Preller, who's the Padres GM. He was sitting in that little underground seat and they got in Texas and he was shaking his head visibly upset by that. And I know both Preller and Tingler have ties to the Rangers organization, but that doesn't mean that you don't, that you take, your former team side over your star player's side because baseball has a problem with marketing, with drawing in new fans, whether that's the inability to put themselves out on a national level, the fact that they couldn't figure out the season in time to be the only sport out there, and the continued just foolish decision to block out local games on MLB TV so you can't see your local teams unless you're watching them on the actual television. They have a marketing problem. Tatis is arguably one of the two most marketable and most exciting young stars in the game. It's him and Juan Soto. And right. if you're, if members of your organization are actively trying to suppress him being one of the most exciting young guys in the league, that's just not a good look for baseball in a year where they've had several bad takes one after the next. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and you, and you play, you play college baseball. So mm-hmm. uh, you are, number one on my list for people that I want to talk to about this because you actually play at a high level. You're in your your actual, well, when, when you're allowed anyway to go back to college, you do play college baseball and you're a pitcher and Hey, you and I have had debates and arguments about this, but we agree wholeheartedly. There's some bullshit right here. Okay, okay. Excuse me. Excuse excuse me, Texas. And and, and I have to be honest with you. I like the Texas Rangers. I've always liked them. I will continue to like them. Um, I saw today 
Wasn't Chris Woodward on the team that won 30-3 in Baltimore in 2007? Wasn't he on that team? I think he was. He was on that team, right? Okay. Um, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm just gonna let loose here. I, I'm sorry. This just, this just frustrates me to no end. Um, last night, Juan Soto got called an MF for looking at Will Smith, and um, Will Smith, son, you, that, that ball is still going. That, that ball might be in one of the peach trees down there in, in downtown Atlanta. Okay. Well, I mean, that ball was hit a long way, and you call this doing MF for, for that. Well, hey, if I was Juan Soto and I heard you call me an M- MF, I would I'd have slowed my trot down to a crawl. You 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 ain't gonna call me that. Hey, you better be glad we can't fire smack the taste out your mouth. If that was me, you ain't you ain't fixing to call me that. And, and then and then you go and then you go to the Padres, the Padres, who were losers of five straight, the Padres who were in last place and a very competitive NL West. The Padres, who want to go to the playoffs this year. The Padres, who have two of the 10 or 15 best players in the league on their on their team. Texas, you were down 10 to 3. Um, hey, hey, guess what? You threw Tatis Jr. a fastball in the seventh inning. What did he do to it? Um, a line shot that took about three seconds to get out left center field in the gap. I mean that 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 one was more impressive than the Grand Slam. He he hit that thing on a line. No, did you see how fast that thing got out? That thing was still rising when it got out. It was just absolutely lambasted. I mean, he, he launched that, that thing. He, he he murdered that thing. And then this dude this dude in eighth. Um. Well, well. How about this? He had a single. You probably and you walked two people ahead of him. Um. Well. Well, it's a 3-0 count, and yes, you're right. Would anybody have a problem with it? This guy fly, flied out to center? Of course not. Um, we we need this unwritten rule BS. Screw the rules. Hey, screw, screw the rules. We in 2020, bro. Rules don't matter. Hell, hell, hell 1600 Pennsylvania tell you that. All you got to do is cut on MSNBC and listen to Donald Trump run his mouth in the White House. Rules don't matter to nobody in 2020. I'll tell you that. And them's the rules that have been like set in stone for hundreds of years. You talking right. about some unwritten rules, you some unwritten stuff, and uh, then un- unwritten rule. And I'm just like, hey, hey, guess what? I sent a tweet earlier today. You probably saw my tweet. I basically said, excuse me, I'm on Tatis Junior side one thousand percent. And if I if I'm the manager, see, see, Tatis, Tatis is too young. See, Tatis is our age. Um, if that were could you imagine if that was Chris Davis? Would he want to do that, manager? Could you imagine if that was Adam Jones? If that was Mookie Betts? If that was Aaron Judge? And Aaron Judge, by the way, you missed you missed Aaron Judge. He's a young guy too. See, Mike Trout ain't really young anymore. He's been in the league nine years. He, mm-hmm. He's one of the greatest players there. He ain't no young guy anymore. Aaron Judge is still young enough to be the, the face of baseball. This dude, this, this dude Tingler and and, and, Chris, and Woodward. And, and all the, these dudes, y'all should be ashamed of yourself having this dude come out on live television and, re, and and try to apologize for that. Hey, apologize. Hey, hey, Chris Woodward, go go find your picture and tell him to apologize for throwing a fastball in the middle of the plate on a 3-0 count. How about that? How about that? Do we Are we going to apologize for that? Could, 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 you, throw, could you throw a better pitch? Because I actually know you couldn't because the bases were loaded. Of course you couldn't throw a better pitch. 
Yeah, to give him a cookie. And what did he do to it? Opposite field, 15 rows up. 15 rows up, opposite field. Another absolute rocket, too. That's the thing. That was just launched. I mean, he killed it. I mean to tell you. It's just, just, uh, you know, Chris Wood, Woodward, Taylor, all these people that got a problem with, with celebrations in baseball, I'm on the side of Tim Anderson, Juan Soto, Tatis Jr. Hell, if I'm Tatis Jr., if I hit another one, hey, I, I'm doing the bat flip. I, I mean, because I, cause I, can't, I can't put a middle finger, I, I can't put up my middle finger and tell you to go to hell. See, because that, that would have been me. See, mm-hmm. I, I could, I, I'd be hit every every time. I'd be hit every time. I, I oh oh oh, and then and then the guy got so offended by this. Um, it was behind Machado, just out of nowhere. I thought Manny was done. I thought Manny was through with that. I thought Manny was over that. I, I thought he had that spout in Boston. I thought he was done. You, you're throwing behind Manny Machado. It's your fault. Don't throw an all-world hitter a three-zero fastball. And get yeah. upset when he hits at 400 feet the other way. Exactly. That's your be, problem. This might be the first time Machado's been thrown at for something he didn't do. Usually it's him with the bat flips and the celebrations, and then they get all offended. Now this is him kind of being the veteran, the leader, and having to wear one almost for his young guy just celebrating. I don't know if we'll see a lot of fireworks in the next two games in that series because pretty much everybody was trying to condemn Tati, so I don't know. You might see something out of Texas, but I think that might be over. Nats Braves, though, yeah. we're going to see something yep, next yep, couple yep, days. Give me, give me your thoughts on that one. Give me your thoughts on that one, and we'll get to some football. We're going to see something on that. I don't really know the full story because that was the first ever meeting between Will Smith and Juan Soto, but Soto's never – I've never seen him look that serious, that angry in the box. He's perpetually smiling. He's always talking to the umpire, talking to the catcher, enjoying himself. Even when he was up against Verlander in the World Series, he was smiling and laughing. And like when Verlander was complaining about calls, he's enjoying that. Right. This one, no, he went up there, didn't look at anybody, just got right in that box, just grimaced and angry and focused, and took the first pitch four forty-five. Wow, four forty-five the other way. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, hmm, okay. Uh, well, mm, dang, I was Juan Soto mad. I can only imagine if he, I, I can only imagine if he's really mad how far he can hit one. That, that was 445 the other way. Uh, can you imagine how far I would go on the pole side? Oh. If it was pole side, you're probably seeing similar to what you saw in the Met in the Met series where he put one second deck concourse. But as far as you've seen one, I mean, they had the home, they had the home run derby there a few years ago, and I don't really remember any bombs that went that far, even in the derby. Oh, that ball was absolutely destroyed. And I mean, like the or like the Orioles gave up a couple to, to Juan Soto, and I was like, oh, okay, that, that's four, that's just four ten the other way. Very impressive. Not gonna lie, that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. But. Right. If it's four ten the other way, you can live with it. I mean, like it's Juan Soto. Like at some point, you just at some point you're just gonna give a homework to Juan Soto. It just is what it is. Like it's right. nothing you can do. Like it's, it's like Aaron Judge. It's like okay, he'll strike out two times, but then Cole Solcer will throw him a fastball on a three one count with two aboard. It's like okay, we kind of he kind of knows he's getting the fastball. 
what exactly is he supposed to? He's supposed to hit it 500 feet, and that's exactly what he did. Same thing with Juan Soto. I, mm-hmm. I'm so tired of these unwritten rules in baseball, man. I, and, I, and I love this sport, man. And you know I'm a – and you love this sport because you play it. You play it at a high level. But mm-hmm. this, this right here – this right here got to stop. I'm sorry. This, this, this unwritten rules and stuff, all, all, all these white boys out here getting mad because, because – I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm sorry. Just gonna, it is what it is. Okay. You ain't wrong. wrong at all. All, all, all. all these dudes that don't look like me or Fernando Tatis Jr. getting mad when people like me or Tatis Jr. stunting on y'all because y'all, y'all sorry at what you do. Okay, like y'all, y'all sorry. So, so mm-hmm. we 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 got it. We got to suppress our our emotions and how we think because y'all mad because you threw me a fastball. My job is to score as many runs on you as possible. I'm here to take your soul, son. I ain't trying to be your friend. I'm trying to take mm-hmm. your soul when we on the field. Tatis Jr. been taking people's fo- souls for the last year and a half, and then he just getting started. He only in his second year of the league. And this is hopefully – he hadn't had a full season either because he was hurt the end of last year, and this year ain't count as no full season. This is a 60-game sprint. This isn't a full season, man. Oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. It's it's just so good, bro. Oh, I, love, I love Tatis, man. I love this dude, man. Keep stunting on him, big fella. Keep stunting on him. You and Soto. Keep NTA. Keep stunting on these people, bruh. And that's the thing. So many of these young guys that are, like, emotional and excitable and so fun to watch, they're still 21, 22, 25, 27. These guys are not even hitting or just entering their primes. So how much more are we going to see out of these guys as they continue to grow, continue to develop? Soto's in his second full season, his third overall. He was in the league at 19 doing this kind of thing. Now he's 21, fresh off a, of a two-week paid vacation because he got a false corona test. And he's taking that He's taking that time off. He didn't want that. He didn't want that at all. And he's taking not. his anger out on everybody and every ball. I, I, I just need to say this. By the way, as impressive as a home, a home run as that was, um, excuse me, Washington Nationals. Y'all still, y'all still realize this is a sixty-game season. Y'all in last place. Y'all do know that, right? I mean, I mean, you, you can't be giving up games to the Atlanta Braves that you had won. They, they had the game won, and Daniel Hudson. Stay, I told, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that boy stay blowing games? I told you that. Mm-hmm. I already told you that he stayed blowing it. He, he last year he managed not to blow it epically in the World Series, but the Nats bullpen just imploded. And, I, and I'm listening to Chip uh, Chip Carey that the Braves watching the home run, and I'm just like, that bullpen blows it again. It's like, yeah, that's a familiar sign, isn't it? It really is. And that was – he faced five hitters, got one of them out, two home runs, four runs. And the thing is, that's the, that's the Daniel Hudson that we remember, but that's not the Daniel Hudson we've seen for the last 12 months. Since he got traded for honestly nobody – from Toronto, that was that wasn't supposed to be the game-changing move. That was just a move to shore up the bullpen. One of three bullpen arms they brought in. Right. He's the only one that was actually successful, and he got the last out in three out of the four series, I believe. Right. I think yep. Doolittle got Doolittle got one, and he got and he was good. He, he was, was very good. good down the stretch last year, and even this year though. I mean, he's 
he's getting, he's like, I think five of seven on saves now. He's got two blown saves. I think that he got credit for a blown save in Baltimore when he gave up the bomb after he came in and relief of Doolittle. And then this one. But even when he's successful, even when he's successful, he doesn't look the same he did last year. He's leaving too much over the plate. And the problem is last year, his slider was something, especially in the playoffs, he could go to the slider against both sides, both lefties and righties, and use it successfully. That last pitch against Brantley in the in game seven was Nasty. a beautiful slider. And I Nasty. believe he did the same thing in the Dodgers series. He went to the back door, he went to the back foot slider and got him going. But last night, he proved that he didn't have it because those first two batters, he had two strikes on Marquecas, I believe, and he went, he tried to go back foot slider and he drills Nick in the leg guard and then he hangs the slider. He's trying to go that same glove side and he ends up just leaving it right over the plate and Adam Duvall just muscled that one over. It wasn't necessarily a bad pitch. Duvall was a little bit out in front of it, but when he catches that much plate to a big boy like that, that's going to go a long way. Right. Yeah. He, he, need, he needs to have both pitches working in order to be successful. That's why he was so good last year because he could get the fastball working 95 with a little bit of run plays up well, and then play the slider off. Of it. If his fastball is not working or the slider is not working. He becomes one dimensional the slider. Right. What, the slider was not successful against the first two hitters. So we mo- mostly had to scrap it because, and then you get a hard hit single right up the middle off the fastball. You get one out and then boom, fastball right down the middle, a two strike cookie. And Swanson did not miss that, man. But hey, by the way, dead center. Just to give to give Desby Swanson some credit, that's dead center, four hundred and fifteen feet away. That's that, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big that, that's where Freddie Freeman normally hits him. I mean, Desby, you don't think Desby Swanson hit hit that, but he did. Yeah, and, he's having a, he's having a good little start to the year, but yeah. that's that hurts for the Nats because that's yet another game that they should have won. Should have won, didn't. right? And it's like. Mm-hmm. You like, but but my thing is, you can lose. You like losing to the Orioles is just embarrassing for the Nats, and that's just like, yeah, that's funny for us to laugh at Nats. Uh, every Nats fan we see, ha ha, mm-hmm. you lose to the Orioles, you suck, ha ha, yay, we beat you in the series again. Um, you lose to Atlanta, you sit, that, that gets your ass sent home. That gets your ass sent home in a sixty-game season. You, you're you're gonna defend- be sitting on the couch just like us. You're the, the defending ball. champs, and you're tied for last place with the New York Mets in that division where Miami is up top. You are below Miami. You should never right. be below Miami. I don't I mean, care how good Miami is this year. You should never be below Miami in anything, especially if you're not. the defending champs. Right. Absolutely not. And, and the Mets went down to Miami and put a whooping on them. I mean, 11 to four, four home runs. Alonzo had two. Robbie Cano making a resurgence. He had two. That's what you do to bad teams. You beat them down. That's what you do, and the Mets mm-hmm. aren't exactly very good either. So I mean, let, let's not let's not get carried mm-hmm. away. The Mets ain't no good either. But I mean, hey, they went down to Miami and said, "Look here, this team's in first place. We appreciate that. We appreciate what they had to go through." But y'all, y'all ain't on our level. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, like you know, the problem with the Mets is their bullpen stinks. Edwin Diaz stinks. I mean, that's their problem. Uh, it's not their offense. Their offense doesn't stink. Their offense is good. They just need rotation depth behind arguably the greatest pitcher we got in this league right now in Jacob DeGrom. They just need somebody to protect him with Syndergaard gone and then a bullpen that can have consistency in the back end. Because right. when you got like 
a couple of years ago, if you had told me that there was a bullpen of Juris Familia, Dellen Batances, and Edwin Diaz, you would yeah. think you would think that that would be a team that was winning game after game. Right. But Diaz, inconsistent. Batances is coming back from injury. He's been decent this year, but he's still, you know, that consistency ain't going to last. And the same thing for, like, everybody else in that pen. You know, right. it's just you don't know what you're going to get when you put anybody out there. No. So Same thing but, with the Nets. Same yeah, thing with the Nets. The, the Nets is just, it seems like everything they've, Everything they got has taken a step back. The lineup is still trying to find its way because so far, like for the first couple of weeks of the season, they couldn't replicate Rendon's production. And with Soto out too, you had like right now as Drupal Cabrera is their cleanup hitter. And he's having a good year, but as Drupal Cabrera should not be your cleanup hitter. At age, at age 38, mind you. I mean, like he's, 30, younger, he's 38. Yeah. He's 38 and he's hitting great from both sides. Right. But yeah. you'd like to have somebody else protecting Soto right there. Right. And yeah, no, Ka- I agree. And with Starlin Castro, broken wrist, Kendrick with hamstring tightness, it's either hamstring or quad. He's got something. Right. Thames, Eric Thames just hit his first home run. He's right. not been what they expected him to be. Yeah. And they just, so the lineup's taking a step back. The rotation has always been the most dominant piece, but Anibal Sanchez can't figure anything out. His ERA, I think, is still in the double digits. If it's not, it's close. Strasburg can't stay healthy, and Corbin. Yeah, Corbin's had a couple of good starts. When they routed the Mets, he absolutely shut them down the way we saw him do in the postseason. But then he gets lit up by Baltimore. Yes, and, that's that's just crazy, and it's like, and it's like everyone knows, everyone knows, everyone knew on that Oriole Oriole team. Okay, you're not that you're not as talented as the Nats. This guy's gonna throw a back foot slider, two strikes. Yeah. Just try not to swing at it. Just just do your best not to swing. Didn't swing at it. I mean, it was amazing to watch. It really was. Because it, it was, was like, because I was like, this should not be happening to a guy that, I mean, as much guff as I give Patrick Corbin, he, look, I give him that guff because you're supposedly a top 10, 12 pitcher in the league. And I don't think that's a profound take I'm saying. like It's not because he's getting paid like a top 10, 12 pitcher in the league. Right. I mean, and, he, and and he's proven it. He's proven no. He's proven it. We'll, we'll, we'll leave yeah. we'll leave it here because I so we got we got a whole yeah dude we got a whole bunch of football to get to but yeah um, uh, we we'll leave we'll leave it here. But hey hey Nats fans we we appreciate the fact that you got Juan Soto and we we appreciate that and we appreciate the fact that you got a nice fan base and all. Hey man y'all 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 just might just don't want to make the playoffs. It's, it was what you're telling me because. You had Atlanta beat. You're up six three in the top of the ninth inning. You give the game away. You give games away to the Baltimore Orioles. We respect what they're doing. We appreciate what they're doing. The Blue Jays just lost to Hunjin Ryu and death by eighteen foot eighteen foot ground balls. Okay, so the or the Orioles ain't there yet. We 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 appreciate the fact what what the Orioles are doing. They're not there yet. You should you're the defending champ. You can't be losing to these teams. You can't be losing to the New York Mets and expect us to believe in you that you're going to make the playoffs in a sixty game season. You just when can't. Do, when Doolittle's not healthy and Hudson's not on his game, you got a problem because that back end is not short up whatsoever. I fully believe Tanner Rainey could be a top five reliever in this league when he puts it all together because that man is ridiculous. But you blew him in the seventh because you needed to get those outs against the heart of the order. That was fine, and you tr- like tripped through the eighth on Will Harris throwing 30 pitches, but you yeah. can't. 
you're going to have to figure out some consistency. Either Harris has got to come back healthy or you're going to maybe have to move Rainey from the seventh to the ninth because when you throw 100 with a dirty slider, he's thrown 10 innings and has 17 strikeouts. He's good. That's your future. Yeah, he's good. That's your future. I I like him. And you can't be pulling a 2016 Orioles and be leaving your best bullpen arm somewhere he shouldn't be when you're giving it to other guys that you know are going to blow oh, the game. That hurts. Oh, that hurts. All right, we're just going to leave it on that low. That just hurts <laughs> my heart. We're going to pause. We're going to take a break. Coming up, a whole full slate of AFC and NFC North with my guy, Noah Adcock. We'll be back in a second. Welcome back to the Always 100 podcast. Uh, this is the NFC and AFC North division show sprinkled in with some baseball here and Noah, while, while while you've been on the show when in its inception days people may not know who you root for but i do uh passionate ravens and green bay packer fan which is quite the combination i have to admit i you don't see that very often but two great franchises and we we, we got a lot to get, get your opinion on here uh, we are going to talk about the Ravens. We are going to talk about the Packers. But other than that, um, how's how's Joe Burrow going to do in Cincinnati? That's on the list. Um, you know the thought the thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings and what what they're going to be doing. Your your biggest rival in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean they they got a, a, a certain somebody back who has won very big games against the Baltimore Ravens over the years. And I think you know what that special someone is. Uh, we're going to get your thoughts on him, and uh, we're going to get your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns, but I think Ravens fans just laugh at Cleveland, and I think all of us just laugh at Cleveland right now, so we'll get mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. And then, finally, uh, Foles and Trubisky, who, who's going to be the QB1 uh, in, in Chicago? Um, I left out Detroit, but we'll, we'll, say, we'll say a couple words on Pencilman and Matthew Stafford up there uh, mm-hmm. in the Motor City, but... You are a a, a diehard. Are, are you a diehard fan, or are you just yeah, you're a diehard. I'm fan. diehard, man. Yeah, you're a diehard fan. Okay, I'm gonna get your thoughts. We're gonna start with the Packers, and I'm gonna start with the Packers because I know you got a lot to say. Um, and the question I'm just gonna pose to you, you can take it whatever way way you want. What in the hell's going on with the pack? What 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 are they doing? Like what what are they doing? Are they trying to just run this guy out of here or what? Like what tell tell me what's going on with your boys, man. When I look at that franchise right now, I just see that nobody's pulling the rope in the same direction because I think there's a real disconnect between the front office, the coaching staff, and your star players. Anytime you draft a replacement when your guy's still in his prime. I understand there was precedent with the Rodgers replacing Favre, but this feels like a different scenario because, quite frankly, I think Rodgers has more left in the tank than Favre did at this point. And as much as I like Jordan Love coming out for a whole bunch of different teams, the Packers are not at all where I thought him. I thought he would be ending up. And that's just – he was a couple weapons away from another deep run because – beauty of Rodgers' game is he really can will a team with his individual skill. He just needs a couple other weapons. The Packers have always been good quarterbacks and a couple good receivers and just pounding it, even from the days of Favre, Greg Jennings, and Donald Driver. Man, like, 
it's always been you get a good quarterback with his two favorite weapons and just launch. You need somebody for, for Devontae Adams to have to be able to, like, compliment him well. And right now, they just – they had the opportunity. This was one of the best receiver drafts in recent memory. It was so deep on guys that could make an impact immediately. And they balked on that. They 100% went a different direction. I don't honestly – like, I wish I had a better take for you other than I don't know what's going on. I still think they're going to be good. I still think they probably contend for – they're going to be up in the division fight, as always, between them and Minnesota. And I think whoever doesn't win it gets a wild card spot, especially with seven teams making the playoffs from each conference. But they had an opportunity to really put their team up into the next level of the conversation of the elite with the saints and the Niners in that conference. And maybe even the bucks, if you want to say they're going to be that good under Brady with the whole revamping, but they had the opportunity to jump into conversation as like one of the teams to beat this year in the NFC. And they did not. And I don't, I don't see how that's going to work long-term when your head coach is saying he wants Rodgers under center for many more years and GM is basically saying he thinks that's going to be gone soon. All right. I, I, I'm just going to pick up right, right there. You saw him be shaking my head. They, they, they don't want that dude. On, they, excuse me. They don't want that dude under center. They, hey, hey man, the, the, the days are over when you draft first round picks and have him sit, sit on the butt. Uh, on the, no, 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 no. Kyler Murray, number one pick in the draft he's playing. Baker Mayfield, number one pick of the draft, QB one. God, and those days are over. This guy, I, I thought the Patriots were going to get him as as their little pet project, and let you know, and let you know Belichick experiment with Jared Stidham. And by the way, I was getting notifications at practice. Not looking too good for Jared Stidham. Uh, not really feeling that. Um, and on a side note, uh, if the Patriots don't start Cam Newton uh, first week. I. I, 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 Bel, Belichick either is sabotaging this season or he's just trying to amuse himself at the expense of Cam Newton and everyone else. So I, I'm not really sure. So Cam Newton better be the QB one if you want to win any games whatsoever for the Patriots. Now, back to the Packers. <clears throat> Look, I, I and I, I've told you this off, off, off camera. The... <laughs> I don't even know if the Packers are very good. Are they good? Like, I, I don't get – I don't even know if they're good. Every time I watched the Packers last year, it was with two minutes left, Aaron Rodgers having to perform some heroics, okay? The mm -hmm. the most impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys, Um, your, def your defense – I don't know if you know this. Your defense was trying very hard to give that game away. I mean, very hard. And it just so happened that Dak Prescott on that day decided that he wanted to throw the ball to more green shirts, green and gold shirts, than white and blue shirts that day. He just mm -hmm. decided. Okay? Because you probably should have lost that game too. Absolutely. I mean, you were up 31 to 3, and I'm I'm watching this game like, so you mean to tell me we're if this guy makes the kick, you're gonna have to go an onside kick after being up by 28 points? You're, you're, you're down to an onside kick with two minutes left. Now, unfortunately for well, fortunately for you guys, he didn't make the kick, so it didn't, didn't really matter. But I, I look there, I'm just like, so you guys were 28 points of loss. Same, same thing in the playoffs. 
Um, so you were beating Russell Wilson twenty-eight to ten. So why do I look? So why do I come back a couple minutes later and Russell Wilson has the ball with two minutes left with a chance to win the game? I I, I just don't know if you guys are very good. I just have to be honest with you. Your defense much improved. We appreciate the fact that your defense was much improved. They get they got after the quarterback. They got pressure on people. Thank you. Finally, like they can finally sack the quarterback. Thank you. Like we like we, we appreciate that. Green Bay. Uh, I like your Jair Alexander, the corner. I like him. Mm-hmm. He can cover people. I like he he tried to do as good of a number as he could on Amari Cooper. Amari still hit him up for eleven for two twenty seven. Okay, right. well, I mean uh, that is what it is. Amari's just gonna do that to some people. Okay, like mm-hmm. you know he tr- he he faced Stephon Diggs and Allen Robinson the second. I mean this guy's not going up against some chumps at wide receiver in the NFC North. So I like him. But my problem is Matt LaFleur needs to stop acting like we stupid, man. You, you, this dude this dude really wants me to believe that 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 you want Aaron Rodgers to be your quarterback, but in the first two picks you have decided it was a great idea to draft AJ Dillon and Jordan Love. Um. So, so you you didn't want Jalen Rager? I mean, I, I heard he's pretty good. I, I mean, I heard good things about him. I, I I haven't heard. I haven't seen the play, but I heard he's pretty fast and all that. That's 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 what I heard from him. Um, mm-hmm. you didn't want to draft him. You didn't want to draft Justin Jefferson. You you didn't want to draft him either. Apparently, oh, he's in Minnesota, by the way. Along, yeah. Opposite side of Adam Thielen. Ah, uh, that could have helped him. I mean, that could that could have helped. I don't know. I mean, he could have helped. They needed a wide receiver and a linebacker, and they hunted on both those because I fully expected like Patrick Queen to the Ravens yep. is like was so fortuitous, and I was like I thought that was such a perfect fit. But I fully saw when Green Bay like when they jumped when they were on the clock, I fully expected because they traded up on that shit. I fully thought that they were going to be like drafting Patrick Queen. And bringing more pressure to come with Smith boys, Preston and Zadarius Zedaria Smith rushing, stuff. and then yep. get Queen with all, who's the fastest linebacker in the draft. See, get just get him blitzing from the middle. But no, they went just, out of nowhere. I, I don't, I, I don't understand. It's like Matt Lafleur. You think we, you, you, you must think we don't have Twitter and Instagram, and and a T and an HD TV set to watch what we're. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers and Matt before really like each other. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that. Um, my, my mom's back there listening to the show. She was she, she and I were talking about that Matt Matt Lafleur and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers probably has steel cage matches before every game. Okay, like it's just I, they, they don't like each other. And the second uh, Matt Lafleur gets a chance, he'll probably stab Aaron Rodgers in the back and enjoy doing it. As far as I'm concerned, hey, he don't like he don't want him here. <laughs> Him. I mean, like, you know, to just admit it, you and your you and your GM. Like, like, I am sorry. Like it's not, you know, and it's like, yeah, I remember the day um you got hired. Mark Murphy called Aaron on the phone about, um, yeah, uh, don't you be the problem. Or we're hiring Matt LaFleur, don't you be the problem. Huh? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Aaron Rodgers is a problem. Excuse me. Aaron Rodgers could probably be vaulted up in the same 
conversations as Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. Um, if you can get anybody who can rush the passer, if you can get anybody who can catch the ball, I mean, because this guy is great. I, I you mm-hmm. know, I Tom, Tom is my guy. He's number one. He's the greatest ever. But to sit up here and say that Aaron Rodgers, who is, by the way, seven years younger than Tom Brady, mm-hmm. seven years younger. Tom Brady, um, age 40, is winning MVPs and going to the Super Bowl at age 40. Age 41, Super Bowl champion. Can't, it can't happen. But now, I'm going to tell you this here. They mess around with him. Don't think Belichick won't trade a couple first-round picks for him. Belichick will, just tra- Belichick will trade for Aaron Rodgers the day he's allowed to trade for him and all that money at age 37 next year. And you know he will, too. I know he will, and that terrifies me. And that should yeah. terrify the rest of the league. Uh-huh. It, it should. But uh, we're gonna move we're gonna move on to the Packers most fierce rival, the Chicago Bears. And Noah, I don't know if you know this, but um you, you you've had a lot of success against one Mitch Trubisky, uh for the quarterback or maybe the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. But uh, the Chicago Bears decided that, you know what, Khalil Mack, here's what we're going to do for you, man. You, 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 you've been on a top-10 defense the last two years. We're going to trade a fourth-round pick. We're going to call Jacksonville up, and we're going to bring Nick Foles in. Former Super Bowl MVP. Guy who beat Tom Brady in, in, in Minnesota. Played, played out of his mind. Super Bowl champion. The whole nine yards. One of the greatest playoff runs we've ever seen. From what, for at least the last two games, anyway. Mm-hmm. He's now yeah. in Chicago for a quarterback competition with one Mitch Trubisky. And the question I have for you is: So is Mitch Trubisky? So, so we're supposed to believe Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback September thirteenth at one o'clock? Not remotely. I cannot see a world where Mitch Trubisky starts. I think Nick Foles. You see the reports that are coming out of Bears camp. A lot of people both the leadership style and the play so far in these early practices that they've had. A lot of people like Foles. They think he's a good guy to take like the franchise in the direction that they're hoping they can. I don't know how much of a difference maker he's going to be, but what I do know is that he is not going to be a negative asset the way Mitch Trubisky can be on the field. Because Trubisky, I understand he had one Pro Bowl season. I understand. But you got to look at just what he did. It's what the NFL is all about. What have you done for me lately? And last year, he was arguably the worst quarterback in the league. It would, you can make the argument for some of the others, but <laughs> I don't think there was somebody that was worse consistently than Trubisky. And that's always going to hurt Bears fans because you realize that you punted on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Mitch Trubisky, when there were already questions, you chose a one-year starter from North Carolina instead of a college national champion or the biggest arm to come out of the draft in recent history, Texas Tech's Air Raid King. You had two viable options, and you went to Trubisky, and you chose wrong. If you hold on to him and you let him start this year, that's just an inability to let go of the path. That was a mistake. That was a Bust. That was a poor pick, and you need to give Nick Foles the reins because, God dang it, Allen Robinson deserves a good 
quarterback. It deserves better, doesn't it? I, hey, and by the way, uh, Allen Robinson was on, on my fantasy team. I'm a, I, yeah, I'm a name drop, son. Allen Robinson was on my fantasy team. And woo, wait, he, he, he's nice. He's really mm-hmm. nice. I like him. I'm he's really brother. nice. Yeah. And when you look at the numbers, he's good. But you got like you look at the tape. That man is so much more talented than the numbers, which are already solid. Suggest Allen Robinson, I think, has almost elite talent. He has never been paired with a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think if you give him Nick Foles, I'm not saying Nick Foles is great, but Nick Foles is solid. And he is the kind of guy that can find a way to bring out the best in Allen Robinson, where Mitch Trubisky brought Robinson down to his level. Right. This is going to be Robinson and Foles lifting each other up. I think every quarterback needs his best number one option. Doesn't right. matter what the team is, you got to have that good connection. And I think those two are a solid match to kind of raise each other up. And he's going to be – having Robinson is going to really allow Foles – in an abridged offseason, fighting for the spot. Because you, like, you're trying to learn a whole new playbook, you got some stuff to figure out, you're kind of learning things on the fly, especially with no preseason games. If you can come in week one and have a guy like Allen Robinson running routes for you, that's a great way to introduce Mr. Nick Foles to the Windy City. And, and, I, and I think Bears fans will definitely – I think the Bears fans will definitely embrace him. And, you know, you know they're, they're – NFL says there will there will probably be fans. So now Bears fans will will for as much of the capacity as I can, you know, will be cheering on the Bears. And I mean, look, and 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 with that defense, I mean, if you have literally average quarterback play, the Bears can make the playoffs. They went they 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 won they, they went what nine and seven? Didn't they go nine and seven last year? Which it. Mm. Get, look, look that look that up for me. Uh, look, look that up for me. I, um, I think I'm not sure. Cause I think the Bears won eight or nine games last year with arguably one of the three worst quarterbacks in football, and it yeah, wasn't they were, even. They yeah, were eight and they were eight and eight. eight, and they eight. eight and okay, eight. okay. So they were the eight. They were eight and eight with horrific quarterback play. Absolutely, man. I, they were. They were eight and eight. They gave up more points than they scored. Oh my goodness! And they, their offense was the worst in points scored in that division by sixty-one points. Huh? Def- <laughs> Wait, what? They, they scored sixty less points than the Lions did. Oh how no! You, how are you gonna score less points than the Lions? Oh no! Well, oh my! That's um. Oh, uh, hmm. <laughs> that's uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Noah, that ain't great. <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. if, if you're wondering, that that's not great, man. But I'm really excited to see that because I, I look, you're a Packers fan. You, as a Packers fan, you are genetically wired to hate the Chicago Bears. That's how it works. I'm not gonna ask yep. you to say anything glowing about the Chicago Bears, but uh, Khalil Mack, man. <laughs> do so good. Oh, I love Khalil back. I love Khalil. And he's, and by the way, worth every penny. He was worth Absolutely. every penny. Absolutely. That, that man is one of the two best defensive players in the league. Him and, him and Aaron yeah. Donald are the two best defensive players in the league. And, yeah. um, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. Yeah. That defense is filthy, man. That's, I, a great, that's just a great, great defense. And it's something that 
you can't waste that good of a defense. No, and I, and 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 they and the problem is the NFC is so loaded, and we're we're gonna get to the, the Minnesota Vikings. And I get because I guess I just turned into this to, into the NFC North segment, and we'll go with the AFC side. But um, this division, sorry, uh, this is a three team division, and there's seven playoff teams, and um, hey. The Cowboys and the Eagles are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. The the Seahawks, 49ers. I, I want I want to say the Rams, but they're, they're, no, I don't see it for the. Rams. I think the Car- I think the Cardinals got a better shot of making the playoffs than the Rams do this year. I'm going to be honest. I think Kyler Murray is a great candidate for a breakout sophomore year, and I think he's just, that's just adds one more team, especially with Hopkins there now. Right. That's just another team in the NFC to cloud the path to the playoffs. Right, and, and it's like, hey, all these games matter because the problem with – we'll get to the AFC next time, but the AFC is a top-heavy conference. We understand Absolutely. that there's two teams that are any good at all. I, I, I'm not even sure if the Patriots are very good. I, I no, Actually, the answer to that question is no, they're not very good. They they're not very good at all, actually. Um, so Tennessee, I'm su- I'm supposed to trust Tennessee. I'm supposed to trust Bill O'Brien. I'm supposed to trust Jacksonville. I'm supposed to trust Indianapolis. Hell no, I don't trust any any one of those teams. So the NFC, well, all we're looking for is the NFC being the best conference because you 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 understand that that there's 16 teams in that conference. Twelve of them can make the playoffs. And, that, yeah. and that's being that's being conservative. Might be a thirteenth team if you look hard enough, but mm-hmm. definitely twelve. But real, real quick, give, give me give me some thoughts on Kirk Cousins, man. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I mean, you're 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 big NFC North guy. You play this guy twice a year. Hey, hey, man. He he he. When it mattered the most, and I, I can't say I wasn't happy for him. When it mattered the most down in New Orleans, he got the job done. And he got rewarded with sixty-six million more dollars guaranteed on top of his contract. So, what, what, what do you got to say about what do you got to say about the Vikings this year? I mean, Kirk Cousins won a playoff game, and that's something that was a lot of questions: were could he perform when he needed to step up when he was playing against a winning team, top-tier competition? Could he be the guy to step up and do it? And he went down in New Orleans. And that was a tight back and forth game. There was a lot of controversy on that. You know, obviously Saints fans are still going to be saying Kyle Rudolph pushed off on that last catch, and he probably did. Hey, he not, did. Ain't no problem. Don't put the he problem probably, in there. Yeah, he, he did. did but, he did. <laughs> but it was a perfectly placed pass, and he just – Cousins looked good that entire game. No Stephon Diggs is going to be interesting because, I mean, you and I, DMV guys, Stephon Diggs is a Maryland boy. Dirty turp. Dirty um, turp. He had turp. He had turp. And that's a man that you know. Like, he's he was the scariest part of that offense for me. I fully – Thielen is just consistency personified. Cousins is hit or miss. And Dalvin Cook is absolutely insane when he's on the field. Right. But Stefan Diggs is the one guy that I always felt you never know when he's going to go off. If If you haven't called his name yet, that's a problem. Right, because he's just lying in wait. So for him to not be there is going to be interesting. And like you mentioned earlier, Justin Jefferson's probably going to be the number two. And I like Jefferson a lot. A LSU kid, a big kid. I think he's going to do well in that offense. 
asking him to immediately step in and replicate the production of Stefan Diggs is no. a tall order, and it's not going to happen. That's You're going to see a drop off. No, that's not that's not fair to him. Sorry, that's just not that's not fair to him. I think he's I think he's going to be nice now. Now I I got I mean, but well, you you could talk about the offensive side. Hey, what what I need to see? Hey hey hey, Vikings defense. What, what, what's up, y'all? Hey, what's up, y'all? Y'all y'all gonna get back to stopping people on third down at his, his historic rate? Are, are we are we getting back to that? What what, what are we doing here? I I, I need I need I, I need some answers, Mike Zimmer. I understand Mike Zimmer's a great coach. I understand that this guy has been doing it for decades, and he and he deserves our credit and our respect. And he does. He has he has my respect. He's a great player, but he's a he's a great coach in this league. But um, hey, I, I agree with a lot of things you got to say. Dalvin Cook, hey man, top five running back in the league when you're healthy. Absolutely. The key part. The key part is the, is the last part. When you're healthy, which is never, you're never healthy. You're never on the field. I, I can't, I can't rely on you. Like, like, sorry. I like availability is key to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Hey, you, you got to be there and gotta we, be on we, the field. we all, we all like to rag and hate on Kirk cousins. And yes, Kyle Rudolph pushed off, but I had to be honest with you. I, I watched that game. I, I was at work that day, and I had mm-hmm. the game on. That just, just you, you have to. That was what it was. I, I had yeah. the game on. Um, of course. And in overtime, hey, Kirk Cousins, dude, that that was that was an ice cold throw there. That's ice cold mm-hmm. to do to do that in that building to that team. You did that to give them all the credit in the world. Till like five or seven step drop, wound up, and, and by the way, could could not have been better coverage either. Ah, just mm. just perfect coverage, and he drops it right in the bucket. Just a, a terrific throw under the circumstance, the best throw that guy's ever made in his life, in his in his football life. Absolutely, that was it was perfectly defended, and he just beat a good defense. And if he takes that step forward this year and next, we're gonna look at that as the defining moment in his career because if. If he is able to replicate the play he had in that game going forward with consistency, then he's going to be leading them Vikings to be a force in a crowded NFC. And I really think that that's going to be – the big thing for them is going to be the defense. Losing Everson Griffin is yep. tough. Yep. Him going to the Cowboys just makes them even better. Right. And that's going to re- – But the, pro- the problem is, I mean, Ger- the Gerald McCoy thing really – I mean, that, I just feel I feel so bad for him because yeah, cause he, cause, yeah. Cause, I mean, because because really, I mean, my my mom's a Cowboys fan. She's in in the back listening, but you know, I'm just like, hey, the Cowboys defensive line, like for them, if you want to just talk about them, that is huge for them because they're back four. Sorry, that the back the back four. While we appreciate what they're doing. That that the, the, their defense is in front seven. They get after people. That front that back four is not exposed. Okay, mm-hmm. and to lose Gerald McCoy, a former All Pro player, a guy that has been in this league and made great plays at big plays and clutch moments for for playoff contending teams, mm-hmm. to lose him to a ruptured quad, and I and I and I just I just feel ter- I feel terrible for the guy. I really do. Cause he, cause he, well, he's talking about, yeah, he, he was a Cowboys fan. He wanted to play for the Cow, and all that good stuff. And it's like, it's just, it just breaks your heart to see. It, it really, really does. does. 
So, but Everson Griffin, hey, hey, man, you could do a lot worse. You you could do a lot worse than Everson Griffin. I can tell you that. That's a really good. That's a really good replacement, and that's going to be huge to make sure that that front seven stays the front seven that it's been. But what it means for Minnesota, if that's who we're talking about, yep. is you're going to have to rely on Daniil Hunter to come up even bigger than he has. And meanwhile, Daniil Hunter's missed his last two practices with a, all they're saying is it was a tweak or something in the lower half. They won't comment any further than that. A tweak usually doesn't mean more than a week at most. It's usually not that bad. But still, that's a guy that needs to be at full go at 100% and you can't have him when you need him to be t- stepping up, to be taking a step back. Even if it's just a tweak, that means that he's going to be sl- he's going to be slower in this process. This is an offseason and a preseason unlike anything we've ever seen. There's no preseason games. None. There's no joint practices. None. This is just play your own team and right. show up week one and hope you're ready for it. Right. And that, so with him, yep. Yep. The, just the more he misses – even if it's a tweak and he's back by the end of the week, now you're a week behind everybody else, That's which true. means he, he needs to get healthy and get to 100% as soon as possible. Right. Cause you're, we're down to, down, we're on the 18th of 18th of August here. That's what, what, uh, what, 23, 24 days until the, well, I think I think I heard today is 26 till, till that Sunday. Now yeah. take 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 three days all that twenty yeah twenty three days to opening night. I mean, hey, three weeks goes by really fast in this world. I mean, it we're does. already at the we're already at the eighteenth of August. If you if you're wondering of twenty twenty, right. we're yeah. of this hellaciously terrible year. We're already at the eighteenth day of the eighth month of the year. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I I really the 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 Vikings. I think the Vikings will be better than the Bears by like a half game or so. I think the pack. Well, I well actually, I told my viewers I wasn't going to make any predictions. No, you just got to you just going to have to listen or be on the official prediction yeah. show for to get my answer on that. But real quick, and then we'll go. We'll take a break and go to the AFC uh, and talk about your other favorite team. Do you have any any just just a quick word or two for the Detroit Lions, another team that just needs a really big hug? Wow. It's just, that's wow. You know, honestly, like it's just sad. There's not, I can't find really very many, if any positives with that Lions team, other than y'all, either you or the Jaguars might end up getting Trevor Lawrence. So congratulations for that. But right now for them, their goal needs to just be ever hope everybody stays healthy. See what Stafford does. I don't know what's gonna go, what's gonna happen with him. I don't think anybody really knows what's gonna happen with him because it's just he was hurt so much last year. He got put on the corona list at the start of this offseason. So hopefully he's made the recovery by that from now. But they're going to be probably one of the two worst teams in the NFC for sure, and I'd say one of the three worst teams in the NFL. I do think it'll be them and the Jaguars vying for the number one pick. I don't see how they have anything watchable and excitable this year. No, well, probably other than well, partly Matthew Stafford, partly those two studs at receiver. Now we're going to be fair. We're going. We're going to be a little. We're going to be a little fair to the Detroit Lions. Um, hey, 
Uh, Galladay and Jones Jr. Galladay is so much fun to watch. And that's (laughs) so I'll take that back because Kenny Galladay is incredible to watch and incredible to have in fantasy because the man Uh just brings production. The man just brings production. Uh, You got it, boy. Hey, that was my Kenny Galladay, man. (laughs) That dude, that that dude is nice, man. I, I like Jones Jr. a lot, too. So. I mean, we'll, we'll see. The Lions are in a rebuild mode, and I want to see what happens with Okuda. But I think after this year, we're going. We're, we're pencil man's going to pe- pencil's going to get get to get the door here. Um, you gotta you gotta assume that's coming. Yeah. It's just he, that has not been a successful tenure for him. No, uh, I do think Okuda is going to be something special in this league. He was the most polished corner and arguably the most polished defensive player, not named Chase Young, coming into this draft. Right. Chase Young, and, by the way, was on that same team, by the way. <laughs> yep, exactly. And couldn't either one of them get them, get them to the final. Well, well, that well, uh, well, we'll talk about college football probably at the end of the show here because I've got to get your thoughts on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just poor, poor Lions. It, it, it'll turn around for the Lions at some point. But that that point is not right now. Right. All right. Let's take let's 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 pause this, take a quick break, catch our breath, and then in just a second, we're going to the AFC North. Well, Noah will break down his other beloved team, the Baltimore Ravens, and everybody else in that division. We'll be back in a sec. Welcome back to the Always One Hundred Podcast. Joined today on the NFC and AFC North Division Preview Breakdown Show with my good buddy Noah Adcock. And hey, we talked about the NFC. You ranted and raved about your Packers there. So now what we're going to do is go over to the other side of the conference, the worst of the two conferences, and talk about one of the two half decent teams in that conference. Um, and that would be the Baltimore Ravens. And in no particular order, Baltimore Ravens last year went 14-2, and two, had the coach of the year, the league MVP, the best kicker in football, maybe the best defense in football. And um, they got bounced right up out the playoffs by Derrick Henry. And one, and one of, honestly, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, it's, I was honestly just great. It was great television. It really was. Watching Derrick Henry turn... Earl Earl Thomas around like a turnstile there, um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rant and rave about the Ravens because I could totally troll you right now. But you're my guy. I'm gonna get to the question. The question I have is: Are these dudes gonna win a playoff game at some point? Can they, can these people win a playoff game and get to the Super Bowl at any point in the near future? Like, like, will they? Like, I know they can, but the guy that we compare Lamar to, that 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 dude, that dude, that dude in Kansas City, you know, what I'm talking about the 15. He wears 15. He's a tall, light-skinned dude. He got 500 million dollars. He, he was hosting the Lombardi Trophy with, with red and gold confetti falling on his head. That dude. Uh, when, when's Lamar going to get there? Do you have any? Do you have an answer for me? I'm going to tell you right now that. The Ravens will win a playoff game this year, and they will win a Super Bowl within the next three to five years. I fully believe that because this team, the beauty with this team is that everybody is so young. Lamar Jackson is entering his third year, coming off the league MVP winning year, and one of the most 
dominant and fun to watch seasons in recent memory. Because let's be honest, Mahomes is the best player in football, but Lamar is the most exciting player in football. He is primetime viewing every time he is on the field. And I fully believe that week three, John or Chiefs against the Ravens on Monday night football is going to be the most exciting Monday night game since that shootout of Chiefs Rams. And it's going to be some of the best viewing until these two meet again, hopefully in the playoffs. The Ravens found a way to get better yet again this offseason. They really didn't lose a lot. They sent Hayden Hurst down to Atlanta. You know, you punted on your – you get rid of a former first-round pick where that first-round pick was also your third-string tight end, so you're fine with that. You bring in Calais Campbell. Bring in Derek Wolf. They're talking about bringing in Des Bryant, which I don't know how I feel about that, but it's just – it would be another strong addition to a wide receiver room that's young and hungry and give them some veteran leadership. They had a great draft. They filled all their needs, even though it was a little bit unconventional. I mean, I don't think anybody expected with the dominance that their running game had last year that they were going to pick a running back in the second round. But when J.K. Dobbins fell to them, they took advantage. And I think Dobbins is going to end up being the running back of the future, and you're going to see a core of Lamar, Hollywood, and J.K. Dobbins running people over for the next few years and trying to compete with Mahomes. I fully believe that the Ravens have the best GM in football because this man has found a way to consistently make efficient moves and bring in Calais Campbell for near nothing, bringing in Marcus Peters for a backup linebacker and a fifth round pick and just continuously finding ways to draft well, trade well, and establish a culture that's really one of the best in football. I know that they have not won a playoff game. I know that, and that's going to be a big step for them to overcome because right now that's the knock on Lamar. He's 0-2 in the playoffs, but Peyton Manning started like 0-3, 0-4 in the playoffs. Peyton Manning did not have a great start to the playoffs. Both the Manning brothers started 0-2, and both of them had Super Bowl wins. I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but I'm saying that early playoff success does not necessarily mean that's going to be your whole career because, remember, Lamar is younger than Joe Burrow. Lamar is younger than Joe Burrow. I can't and Joe believe that. One's an MVP, one has not taken an NFL snap yet. I can't believe that, man. That, that I can't believe that, guys. Scott, I'm older than Lamar Jackson, I think. I don't, I'm not sure. He like I think he's 22, 23. I think okay, he, just turned, he just turned 23. Okay. No, no, never mind. I'm not older. I'm older than Juan right. Soto. I'm older yeah. than Juan Soto, which is – which is disgusting considering I'm a schmuck talking on a sports podcast and Bon Soto's winning world championships. So I'm going to have to probably, you know, figure out where I could get get on his level. But then again, I don't really have the talent of Juan Soto. Let's just be honest about this. So, you know, it is what it is. Anyway. Very few people do. Y- yes, that's also true. Uh, my turn on the Ravens. Uh, yes, I could totally troll the Ravens right now. No, I, I, I totally... No, folks, I do root for the Orioles, but no, I'm not Baltimore guy. At least not yet. I don't I don't know, Noah. Maybe you can convert me to being a Ravens fan. It's not hard to convert when they're this fun to watch. I'm gonna be honest. I was always Packers one and Ravens one A and the day they drafted Lamar Jackson is when that flipped to the Ravens being one because 
the Raven, like Lamar is just the kind of guy that he's, he's the kind of guy you want to build around. He's the kind of guy you want your team to build around. He's that much fun to watch. And he's just, he's a great guy on and off the field. He's a good leader. And he's just makes life exciting to be a Ravens fan. Man, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can convince me and maybe on the prediction show, because I think I'm going uh, to take 2020 to be a sports free agent. Um, as much as I love Tom, I'm not going to sit up here and tell, and tell people that I'm a Bucks fan. No, no, I'm rooting for Tom. Let's just let's just be honest. I want mm-hmm. Tom to light it up, and I think he will. I'm rooting for Rob Gronkowski, too. Oh, those are my guys. I will probably wear the, the my navy blue Brady jersey out in public. I will gladly wear my navy blue New England Patriot 87 Rob Gronkowski jersey out in public. I love those two. Not going to change. But I'm not going to sit up there and, and talk about that I, I'm a Bucks fan. No, 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 not really. Not, not really. Tom just happened to be there. So I can kind of root for you guys now. But, like, for, for me, like, I, I – here's the thing with the Ravens. They are unbelievably fun to watch. I, it's just I, – I, I really – I really do it. I'm sorry for looking up. I'm watching the Milwaukee Bucks before I could tell you. I'm watching the Milwaukee Bucks. You know the Milwaukee Bucks are down 20 to 10? Are you serious? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this. They're down 20 to 10 to, to the Orlando Magic. What are you doing? What What is going on, Milwaukee? Get it together. Get it together, Bucks. Like, seriously, this is kind of embarrassing. As, as I say that, uh, Matthews hits a three to make it a seven-point game. Anyway. The Ravens are incredibly fun to watch. I do I look, I really like Lamar. I just I, I like this guy, man. But my thing is I, I get into an argument with Ravens fans like you and like my boy Sean Carter. I'm a name drop. Uh, my, my, my guy Sean went went to when I played against him uh at the rival high school. He's a good kid. I like him. He's a he's a diehard Baltimore guy, Ravens fan. But my my only thing I say to you guys and other Ravens fans is, we un- this guy is electrifying. Like, he's Michael Vick except taller and right-handed and probably faster to come to think of it. But Vick himself, Vick himself said he thought Lamar was faster. Right. Right. Was, yeah. and, and, and my thing is, hey, my, my problem with Lamar, and it's always been my problem, against the San Diego Chargers. Bruh, I need you to th- I need you to throw the ball. I need you to- I need you to be able to complete a pass on a third down in a playoff game against the San Diego Chargers. No, 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 Lamar. Not when you're down twenty-four to three. No, 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 not then. No, no, I need you to do that when the game's in the ballots, not when you're coming back. Okay, and to his credit, I think he- they just ran out of time, quite frankly. But they were coming back, and. Uh, Couple interceptions, couple fumbles. That's your first playoff game. All right, we we, we can we can respect that. Um, mm-hmm. but but last year, I, I'm I, I I'm sorry. Last year, I got to hold that on you, Lamar. Mm-hmm. I really really do, man. Fourteen and two. You were fourteen and two. He had the coach of the year. You had the best defense in football. You had the best running game in football. You had the MVP of the league. You had the best kicker in football. You had one of the best fan bases in football. You had all that. And 
I mean, folks, that game was not very that game was not as indicative of the beatdown that the Tennessee Titans gave to to the Baltimore Ravens. That wasn't even close. At least the Patriots had enough decency to make it competitive. If they were gonna lose, yeah, Brady lost. Brady lost. We lost. I no 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 excuses there. As a three six matchup, you lost, but that was a one point game until like fifteen seconds left. A one point game with the Patriots having the ball, maybe not on the possession that Brady threw the pick six, but on the previous possession, with a chance to win the win the game and move on. You got a chance mm-hmm. to win the game. Kick a field goal. You going on to Kansas City, and who knows what happens. Up there in Kansas City, I don't think anything good would have happened because the Patriots aren't very good, and they weren't very good last year. We understood that. They were probably going to get the brakes beat off them. But we wanted to see, I want to see Lamar versus Patrick for the championship. That's what I want. That, that's what I, and I, I think that's what we're going to see this year. You look at what happened. You look at what happened in that game. Is uh, they're not? It's not, a lot of the criti- the critiques and the criticism on Lamar, it, and that entire system that the Ravens have put in place is they're not built for playing behind. They're which behind. isn't they're not. But they got down on the first drive. Mark Andrews drops a pass and it becomes an interception. That ball bounces right off of his hands. That was. And that's the one knock on Andrews, and it will be. That's what's going to keep him from being like a top three tight end in this league is he's got to learn how to secure a football. But Lamar, they kind of walked away from the run game. They, At the end of that game, Lamar had thrown 59 times, and they only had a total of 29 carries among all like the two running backs and Lamar himself. Oh. Lamar still threw 365 yards and ran for 143. That man produced 508 yards of offense by himself. 508 yards of offense by himself. Yeah, but I I appreciate that. But 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 excuse me, you lost by 16 points. I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact. I appreciate that you put you you redeemed yourself personally from from the year before against the San Diego Chargers. We appreciate that. But you lost by 16 points. And the game wasn't that close. Like, the, the, the game wasn't even that close. You lost by more than that. Like, Tennessee went down there, took their hand, and slapped y'all across the face with it, and it walked out the door. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, and that wasn't a close game. So, that that's my thing. I think the Ravens, they were, four, what, they were 14 and 2 last year. I'll take sh- shave one or two wins off that. It'll be twelve and four. They, they, you think twelve and four? I think the Chiefs will be four. Right, well, man, that well as we're gonna get to right now. That that division is just oh, that division's tough, man. Because as we're gonna get to, I, I mean, I think the Ravens are gonna win double digit games. Obviously, it's just a matter of you know cuz the next thing we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers as we're or I just transitioned into this while I make the point right a certain somebody for the Pittsburgh Steelers a big big tall dude big tall you know mm-hmm. set guy we're, we're seven we're, we're seven two time super bowl champ all all that you know you know that you know what I'm talking about he, he's he, he's he's coming back 
future Hall of Famer, by the way. Got forgot to add that part. Hall of Fame uh, caliber t- uh, quarterback there, and Ben Roethlisberger. He's coming back with the Steelers, and we, I, 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 I'm just going to start here only because the Steelers, the, the Steelers could have made the playoffs on the last game of the year. They are incapable of having a losing season. They're incapable of doing it. They can't. It's just not, it just it doesn't work for them. It just doesn't work under Mike Tomlin. And they had some guy named Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. James Conner, guy can't stay healthy. He's he's like Darius Geis, the former Redskin running back. He he he's he's when he's on the field, he's electrifying. He's great. He's a he's a really good player when he's on the field. This guy can't never stay on the field. He just Geis ain't gonna be on. Guys ain't gonna touch a field for anymore. Boy. Yeah, well, he well he's got he's got other problems, but the chief he's got other problems. Yeah, the but, chief the chief one is the guy couldn't stay healthy. Um, the guy couldn't the, stay healthy, but the problem with him is coming out of college. The comparisons to Darius guys were Ray Rice, and he took that a little too literally. Uh, oh, let's see, let's see. <laughs> You an idiot, man. You, you stupid, man. But yeah, but you're right though. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, you're, you're you're dead on right. I, yeah, I wish I wasn't, but yeah, you're, but you're right though. I wish I wasn't either, yeah. but I, yeah. I I have to. Yeah, he he's absolutely. You're absolutely right. But um, I'm gonna give it to you now. What what do you think? I mean, does look I, as 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 I said with the Bears, I'm not expecting you to say very glowing things about the Pittsburgh Steelers because you're genetically wired to hate them. You yep. hate them. That's how it works. Absolutely. You know, when you were a Ravens fan, you hate the Steelers. It's just how it goes. So what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to the team that you hate? I think they will make the playoffs. I think there's no shot that they, t- that they win the division. I think there is the possibility that with seven teams coming out with three wildcard spots, there is the distinct possibility that you get three teams from the AFC North. If the Browns put it all together, I could see both the Browns and which, who we'll get to and the Steelers carving out like the six and seven wild card spots. I do think Ben Roethlisberger coming back is always a huge plus because the fact that they were ma- able to manage the season they did last year with Duck and Rudolph just goes to show that they have the coaching and the individual pieces to make some things happen. They almost beat the Ravens with a backup quarterback. Yeah. They should have won that first game. Week five, they should have won that game. That right. is, I, aside from the Tennessee game, that is the worst game that they that I think the Ravens played. I think they looked even worse in that win than they did in the loss to the Browns week three or week four, whichever one it was. Right. But the problem with the problem with the Steelers, in my opinion, is they have a lot of good pieces, Mm -hmm. but in order to ever make a splash, they need more of like elite pieces, top tier pieces, because Roethlisberger, like you said, future hall of famer. It's annoying how consistently good he is. He is, (laughs) he always finds a way. He always finds a way to do something that you don't want him to do unless you're rooting for the black and gold. He's always going to take a big hit, go running into the tunnel and then come running out four plays later like a hero and lead his team to, like, a touchdown drive. That's just who he is. The problem with them is they're going to need consistent playmakers, which means they need James Conner to stay healthy. If James Conner can't stay healthy, 
then their running game is essentially shot. As far as the passing game, obviously Big Ben's going to do what Big Ben does. I think Washington, James Washington, took a solid step forward and became a really capable number two. Juju Smith-Schuster is not an elite number one receiver. I fully believe that. I have Since he came in the league, I have said he is an elite number two. When he had Antonio Brown, the reason Juju was so good in those years where they had Antonio Brown is because he was able to obliterate number two corners, especially when the safety always had to shade over to A.B.'s side because when Brown was on the field and not doing all of his little tomfoolery, that he was <laughs> he was going to be a threat as long as he could catch a pass. So you had to essentially double him near every play. Now he's up against number one corners. And Juju is just, at least at this point in his career, when he goes up against a top-tier corner, I don't think he wins that battle. I mean, mm, wow. you saw at the, at the end of the 2018 season, you saw him with the key fumble that ended up costing yeah. them a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him against the Saints, yep. Yeah, up in, the Saints. in New Orleans, yep. yep. And again, this year, they should have won that game against the Ravens, but he had another key fumble. Fumble, yep, yep. And yep. that's – it's. It's not that he has bad hands. It's not that he's very prone to fumbles. It's just that he finds a way to make those mistakes that you can't make if you want to be a top-tier wide receiver. Right. He's very, he's very good, and he will always produce. But in order for them to be a team that can not just make the playoffs but contend in them, he's going to have to find a way to be able to take that step and be an elite playmaker. Right. Because the defense, the defense is solid. Anytime you got T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, you got a you got a strong defense. Oh you know, yeah. T.J. Oh yeah. Watt Watt is just T.J. Watt's just a force and a young force, which means he's still coming into his prime. And the same with Minka, he's still entering his prime, and he's just an incredible, incredible defensive back. You got to find those are individual pieces, and they're good enough individual pieces that they alone can interrupt on that defense. But you need you need to find a way for those guys to have some support on defense and take care of what they need to take care of because Ben Roethlisberger is going to keep you in a game. Right. Absolutely. And if you, and if you can give big Ben the ball with two, for a two minute drill, you've got confidence that he can at least get you close enough that you're going to be able to kick a field goal if that's what you need. But yeah, He's done it. He's but, done it against y'all. He's gonna done it against y'all for years. Oh yeah, yeah. he's yeah. always been able to do that. Yeah. But my problem is Big Ben alone can't win you a game. Big Ben coming back. Yeah. Big Ben coming back is gonna win you probably they're gonna jump. I think they could be ten and six this year. I really think they have the potential like to be ten and six. Yeah. But yeah. In, right. in order for them to be ten and six, they're gonna have to be able to take care of business. They're going to have to get from front to back, get those guys that aren't always stepping up to come into their own. All right. Take, take, take a breath here. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. Um, look, I, I agree. And um, by the way, I just need to, I, I need to publicly apologize on this podcast. Um, I, I was, uh, I, Hey, I don't know what the Steelers were doing after Ben. I thought they were tanking. Uh, the Mika Fitzpatrick trade, um, that might be one of the best trades in recent memory. 
for what for what you get for him. I mean, this, this dude, this dude single handedly won games for the Pittsburgh State. He was terrific. He really, really was. And and the Steelers are a terrific franchise. And Mike Tomlin, if he's not the best coach in football, besides Belichick, what he, he's no look, he's no worse than three. I'll put it to you that that way. He might even be second because John Harbaugh got to be in there somewhere. He uh, he's got. I mean, he's either two or he's either three because the two best coaches, two of the three best coaches in football, reside in the AFC North, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I yeah. feel like if if you're looking at your top five, you got to round it out with guys like Shanahan, mm-hmm. McVay, and yeah. Andy Reid. Andy Reid take is, McVay uh, out. Take McVay out. He he. Nope. Nope. McVay. Nope. 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 Okay. Not Sean McVay because, hey man, you had it. Look, Sean McVay. Hey 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 man, you, you you had a chance to win that Super Bowl. Um, you played you you played terrible against the Patriots with with an old ass man at quarterback, and no receivers to speak up. No receivers that can get any separation whatsoever, and your defense played an all world game against the greatest ever. Gave up thirteen points. What did your offense do, Sean McVay? Your offensive guru. That's how many points. That's how many points. Three points. That's One, two, it. Three. That's it. Three points. That's it. I, I, Greg, I, yeah. Greg Zerline was your entire offense. Yes. And, and Greg Zerline missed two kicks. Mm-hmm. That game could have been a lot closer than it was. But he missed two kicks at very inopportune times. But yeah. uh, back back here. To me, let, let, let's talk about. Well, wh- where do you where do you want to go? Do you want to go after the break? Do you want to go Browns first or Joe Burrow first after the break? I said we go to the Browns. Okay, we're going to talk about the Browns in a second on the Always One Hundred Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Always One Hundred Podcast. Joined graciously by Noah Adcock again. Um, before we continue. Find the show on Anchor FM under the name Always 100 Podcast. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio under the name Always 100 Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, listen. Tell me what I need to work on. Tell me you like it. Tell me you hate it. I just want to know. I want to see what I can improve on. But back to our regularly scheduled programming on this Tuesday afternoon. we got two more things to talk about. Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, and then we're going to put a bow on it by talking about college football and the, and, and the complete atrocity these guys have become and what, what what's next for them. So, all right, you said before the break you wanted to talk about the Browns, and, I mean, I'll just let you troll the Browns, let's be honest. Um, will Baker, the question I got, will Baker, Odell, and the Browns have a bounce-back year? I don't think they can underperform more than they did last year. So in that sense, I guess they'll have a bounce back year if they can bounce back up to the median, at least where they're supposed to be. I don't really see them being any kind of impact. I think they're going to be one of those teams where their impact is those top tier playoff teams. If they beat the Browns, 
they're going to be fine. If they get tripped up and lose a couple games to the Browns, that could be the difference in seeding. That could be a difference in a problem. But they're not really going to be a team that's going to make a deep impact. I think they have so much individual talent that it makes no sense that they cannot put it all together. But, I mean, Baker Mayfield had a great rookie year. There's a sophomore slump, and then there's whatever happened to Baker. Because that man, you gave him more weapons. You gave him more options, and he regressed so far beyond what you would have expected him to regress. Like, meanwhile, other members of his draft class, like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, took massive steps in year two. Instead, this man backslid despite having Odell, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Njoku, and all those guys. I believe they added Austin Hooper this year, did they not? They did. That's a big, so that's, big deal, too. Yeah, That's, got, that's just one more weapon that he needs to learn how to properly utilize because if you can't figure out how to properly utilize that kind of offense, you are not going to be a top-tier quarterback. You are not going to be even a middle-tier quarterback in this league. Because right. that is that is ridiculous that they did not have more success. Nick Nick Chubb just in and of himself is a top ten running back and is incredible. Like he's just a power back with the ability to kind of do it all from that backfield. Right. You know, big big old Georgia boy doing what he does best, and he showed that in a couple games when he beat the Ravens. He looked like the best running back in the league. He looked like something you've never seen before. He just ran all over Baltimore's defense, but. What about against the Patriots? What about against the Patriots? And by the way, oh, and by by the way, just just a little side note on Nick Chubb, the Patriots could have drafted him. Instead, we took Sonny Michelle, and all Nick Chubb did was you know go for a hundred and forty yards and a touchdown after fumbling on his first two carries, which was un that was an, that was unbelievable to watch. It really like he fumbled like he had a seventy yard run on his first carry and he fumbled the ball. And then the second carry fumbled too. And then after mm-hmm. that, it's like, oh yeah, Jim Nance and Tony are like, oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Nick Chubb is just averaging six yards, six yards a carry against the number one defense in football. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy's an unbelievable player. He is, and you're right to say he's a top ten running back. Um, I will say this, um, and then I'll give you give you the first crack at Joe Burrow here, and I'm gonna be quick on the Browns. Y'all do understand that a bad year for Odell Beckham is 74, 74 catches, 1,034, and four touchdowns? No, that's a bad year. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's a bad year. If your bad year is 1,000 yards receiving, then that's the kind of career I want to have. That being I, I, said, I, I do understand the critiques that he needs to get into the end zone more, which he does, but that's not necessarily him. I would no. love to see him get more than four touchdowns. I would love to see that because he's the kind of guy that you feel could put up double-digit touchdowns in any given season. That right. being said, that being said, that's not all on him, both because of like Baker's just preference seemed to be to go away from him in the red zone. He was constantly looking for – Landry and Njoku or looking for the other team more often than not. Uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and, uh, that's true. But, but still, over a thousand yards, I can't say with certainty that he was a hundred percent healthy that entire season because I do think he had some little minor issues with like he played through it mostly, but he did not look a hundred percent for that entire year. So I would I would be shocked if he didn't have an even better year this year that being said with baker under center 
there's no real guarantee unless Baker bounces back to rookie year Baker. Well, he, well, he, and how much? How? Yeah. How much of that is on the coaching staff? How much of that is on Freddie Kitchens? I'm not sure because I don't think Freddie Kitchens has done a very good job in one year as a head coach. I really don't think that he looked. He looked a little overwhelmed at times. I think it was just his ascension was very quick, and I don't know if he was quite ready for it. So, with that being said, I could see him taking a step forward and that the Browns themselves taking a step forward, but they just – the offense is so talented. It needs to figure itself out. And that defense, middle of the road, anytime you got Miles Garrett on on defensive line, that's a scary thought. But you got to hope that they can – Put it all together for their sake. Otherwise, they're going to end up third in the division yet again. Yeah, and that last thing on the Browns, I mean, like, hey, Miles my, Garrett, hey, uh, parlayed smacking Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet into $125 million. So, mm-hmm. hey, I guess if you smack somebody in the helmet and you're a former number one pick, you can get $150, $120 million too. Uh, actually, no, I, that was being sarcastic. Yeah, no. of, course. You, you, of course not. That was stupid on Miles Garrett's part, but mm-hmm. I think they have a chance. They have a chance to be good, but all right, man, quick. Well, look, I, I, by the way, I just, I don't, I think the Browns will win seven or eight games. I'll just mm-hmm. spoil that prediction. I, until, unless they show me that Baker Mayfield can throw the ball to a team in a Brown and orange Jersey, not, 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 you know, white and black like the Steelers wear or not white and purple like like the Ravens will wear or any purple jersey or any black jersey or any black and orange jersey in Cincinnati or anybody else that he fit. Hey, man, Baker Mayfield got to quit turning the ball over, man. Quit throwing the ball to the other team. Stop it. Like, I, I, you, I understand. Look. Cincinnati, I can I can almost I can almost not fault them for Cincinnati because they wear the same daggone colors. So I can yeah, I can dude. see I can see why I, I can see why you might want to throw the ball to them because they wear the same colors as you. So, but uh, but no, but it all all, all joking aside, I like Baker, but Baker's got to show up because he the Baker haters are out in full force. But real 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 quick on Cincinnati, just a couple words on Joe Burrow. What do what do you, what do you think? I mean, we don't expect a whole heck of a lot on uh on Cincinnati side, but but real real quick, give me give me some give me a couple words on Cincinnati. I think for Cincinnati, this is not a year where you're looking to compete. A successful year for the Bengals is a solid season out of Joe Burrow, seeing some developmental options on some of these guys. I think you got T Higgins with your second first or your second round pick. And I think that he's, he's a guy that's got some good potential. And I think he's a guy that could be a great reliable weapon, Joe Burrow. But this year it's less about your record, more about finding pieces that you can go with long-term, making sure Joe Burrow stays healthy and just trying to put a system in place for that, for him that can allow him to be as successful as possible because Burrow had an incredible year and he jumped himself from a possible day three pick to the number one overall pick. What I'm interested in is this man took LSU on one of the most incredible rides and one of the most fun to watch teams and seasons in the college in college football in the last few years. But this is also a guy that got beat out by multiple guys 
at Ohio State. Both of those guys either were or will be first-round picks in both Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. And that's – so there's no shame in getting beat out, like, for the Ohio State job. Obviously, there's no shame considering you ended up the number one overall pick. Right. But now, now you're not facing, like, Arkansas and Mississippi State. Now, and as good as he looked in the play, in the college football playoff, you're seeing like NFL talent. Right. I do I do think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for him that might be a little bit steeper than it was for some of those other guys just because of the lack of experience. Like the same, it's not the same situation as Mitch Trubisky because Mitch Trubisky was at a mediocre ACC school and was a one year starter. This is, I think, just going to be the fact that he had two years as a starter and only one of them where he was legitimately elite in college. That's not taking away any of his talent or any of the ability he has to be successful in the NFL. That's just saying, don't be surprised if he struggles initially to an extent because this is the first time he's getting rushed by, you know, T.J. Watt and Matthew Judon. He's thr- and he's, his receivers are covered by Minka Fitzpatrick and Earl Thomas instead of some of these other little 18, 19-year-old college guys? Uh, look, I, well, once again, we, we, we're agreeing on a lot tonight uh, on this show, so we agree again. I, I think Burrow's going to be pretty good. Um, and by the way, yes, let, let's just put this out here right from the start. Um, hey, if you lose out to Justin Fields, top five pick, He's going to be a top five pick. Now, mm-hmm. maybe the Patriots will stink enough to have a top five pick. I I would, I would like to have him because Belichick's breaking the mold. He actually he actually got a black quarterback, a, a black never, starting never, quarterback. Never thought I'd see the never, 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 Hey, I mean, hey, I just we just got to be what it is. Sorry, I mean, like it, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, guys. I mean, we're keep, keep, we're going to call a spade a spade. I mean, you had Tom Brady for twenty years, as great as he was. You know, and he had Jacoby Brissett because Jimmy Garoppolo, who was injury prone at least for a while there, till he till he got his act together. You know, Jacoby Brissett came in and he was absolutely terrific. But Justin Fields, hey, not only is he a top five player, hey, this guy, this guy, we're gonna get to him in just a minute. Uh, with with your thoughts on all the happenings in college football, but what he's doing trying to reinstate Big Ten football. Hey, I find that admirable, man. That that's terrific. I, that's, a, I, that's that's a man being a leader, not right. just not just on the field. You you want a guy that can be a leader on and off the field, right. and he's showing that he can be that. There's no shame in what happened to Joe Burrow. No, and Joe Burrow still like he is he's got an NFL like he's got NFL poise. Mentally, he is just such a competitor, and I think that he will have success. Right. I see a lot of Kurt Warner in him in terms of his play style. And I think that there's, I do think that there's a lot of potential for him to be successful, but we're just going to have to, when you're coming in a young quarterback on a young team, with especially a quarterback who doesn't have a ton of like high level college experience, you just, you want to see how he does initially. Right, and and he also got beat, uh, and Dwayne Haskins Jr. also beat him out, and and you know you you can say what you want about the Washington Redskins franchise, I mean, but you know what what they did, you know what what they did to 
Haskins was just wrong on so many levels because Jay because they were setting him up to fail. They didn't want Jay Gruden didn't want him. Okay, absolutely. Like, Haskins, like, Haskins is going to take a huge step forward in year I think two. So I'm too. fully confident in that because now he's got he's got a much better coach. He's got a system around him, and he's just he's more set up for success. Right, and the and the guy who is there and Ron Rivera. By the way, uh, if we're going to keep praising the Washington Redskins, hey, uh. I like to hire. I like to hire, man. Hey, not not going to win you a whole lot of headlines, but you know what? Ron Rivera has been there and done it for decades. He has been he, – he has done it. Like, he's won four or five division championships. He's been to a Super Bowl. He won a world championship as a member of the 85 Bears. I mean, this, guy, this guy's been there, done that. Okay? He's, like, he, he – he, he, yep. He knows the game. He's a player's coach. He's a no-nonsense guy who can fix that culture that was going on both in and out of the locker room. Snyder's given him the reins to kind of fix some things, and I think he was the first in a series of dominoes that are trying to indicate the shift in a culture that was apparently even worse than we thought it was, especially in that front office, you know, with all the sexual harassment stuff that came out. They had to clean house, and that's not anything that – if Ron Rivera's in the building – that's not something that's going to happen on his watch. No. And I think that's going to be no. – I think to hire the new team president, hiring the first black team president in NFL history, that's going to be – That's I think that's – Washington's going to – got a good sign of the times. You know, they're, they're changing in a positive way. Absolutely. That's a good thing. And on the field, I know we're not doing – we're not really doing predictions and we're not really talking NFC yeah. East. Yep. Yep. But I'm going to tell you, I think – in year two, Dwayne Haskins will have a better year than Daniel Jones does if we're talking about year two. Oh, I, I don't blame you. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we're not doing predictions, but um, for I just think the Washington football. You know, I just hate saying the Washington football team, but I, you know, I think they're. I, I think these guys, legitimately. I, I mean, if nothing else, that defense, that defensive line, man. I mean, I know we're not doing the NFC East, but you know, and me being a being in this house, I have a bit, I have a vast knowledge of NFC East football. Right. Uh, you know, you know, talking to Robin Bob in the back. She's you know, she you know, she she's a Cowboys fan herself, and she she's a diehard. She's been a Cowboys fan her entire life, so she she is my go-to on NFC East football. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, like to 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 give. Washington a whole lot of credit man they put Chase Young on that offensive line and now yes and, and I understand that the Jason Bright thing seems like you know just a you know we're getting with the times finally we have a really bad culture and it's like yeah he's black and he's done all this stuff and you know it seems kind of you know it seems like they, they were doing it because they were pressured but Maybe, maybe we will never know what's in somebody's heart. I'm not going to get into that with you because we were never going to know that. But what I do know is um, Ron Rivera, Jason Wright. I don't, don't be surprised if they're just, don't be surprised. Maybe not this year, not this year. Cause it's, it's the cat. It's the Cowboys and Eagles in that division. We, we understand mm-hmm. that we're not going to, we're not going to be crazy here. It's right. the Cowboys and Eagles, but give Ron Rivera some time to implement what he wants in there. Same thing with the Giants. I mean, but the Giants are a little bit further off because of that offensive line. 
because the defense isn't very good, especially in the secondary. They're mm-hmm. they're they're just they're just not very good. But right. you know, getting back to Joe Burrow real quick, and I mean, I, and it's and the same thing could be said for Cincinnati. You know, so you know because because you, you do have AJ Green, you still do have T Higgins now. T Higgins is there now. Um, you got you got Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon's still there. He's he's a nice player. He's a real good running back. He's a very, very good running back. And I think that's been overshadowed how right. good he is just because he's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. But he's got a lot of talent. Yep. A lot and of I, talent. And I think, you know, Joe Burrow will be good, but unfortunately this year he, he's going to take his licks from the Steelers and, and the Baltimore Ravens, I think, because it's just, it just, you know, it is what it is with that. You know, they're just, they're just better and Cincinnati's not ready just yet, but I think he'll have a pretty good career myself. Yeah, I I think so. I think he kind of got he's bad luck with the division and with the non-conference division because the AFC North is playing the NFC East, which means he's going to be getting pressure from Chase Young and all those guys, and he's going to have to deal with the Cowboys front seven. So he's going to get some points. But, yep. yeah, but I think, but I think, and the Eagles for sure. But I think he's going to be he's going to be good. He just needs some time. All right, my guy. Last thing, and thank you so very much for coming on and doing this with me. Sorry for the delay. I do apologize for any delays uh, in keeping you keeping you this late. But you're my guy. You know, you know, I got a lot of love for you. But real quick, any last words you want on college football, Major League Baseball, whatever, whatever's on your mind? Any last words from you? College football. This is like the whole debacle that's happened this year is it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the NCAA. It's embarrassing for all college football fans just to have to witness this. And it's also, I think, going to have some long reaching implications with how the NCAA functions, how just college sports in general work as whether they're like whether conferences need to exist under an NCAA bubble or whether they, this can be done without a governing body because right now the governing body exists seemingly only to antagonize players, to refuse to uh, treat players as anything other than commodities and just an inability to get on the same page. We really could have a fall season where it's just the SEC and the ACC playing and the Big 12 maybe, and then – in the spring, I guess we get Pac-12 and Big Ten and some of the mid-majors. I don't know how this is going to look. And I think no matter what they end up doing, it's not going to be the right decision. If you postpone everything to the spring, then you've got two football seasons in one calendar year. Great for the fans, bad for the health of the players. You need that time to recover. You need that time. You need that offseason. And it's also not to mention the impacts it's going to have on recruiting, the NFL draft, and all things of that nature. But just the ability to not have a definitive plan to keep your players safe in the middle of a global pandemic is, I want to say it's laughable, but it's honestly just too embarrassing and too serious to even be considered laughable. It's just, it's been a pathetic response is what it's been. And it's, they had so much time to figure things out. And instead, all they did was just, push it back, push it back, push it back. And just when they finally were forced to confront the truth, 
they were unable to do so. They, and it's just, it's disappointing because college football is such a backbone sport. You know, everybody's for this country, everybody's got, everybody's got their favorite sport, but whether you're into sports or not, Saturdays in the fall always have college football on. They're always every Saturday from September through December is like done through the prism of college football. If you're not actively rooting for one team, you got games on, whether you're betting, tailgating, watching, or just following. It's something that you always like is always in the forefront of like just American culture. And that's not, that's not to mention all these college towns that really are Americana personified, these little towns all over the country that exist almost solely as just an, an adjacency of these universities that they're so tied to. I mean, how does, how does Tuscaloosa survive without Alabama? You know, how does like Clemson, South Carolina, how does Clemson, South Carolina grow without Tigers football Baton Rouge? They got some things there, but it's, that's a football town first and foremost. Absolutely. Fayetteville, Starkville, Right. All these towns, especially, you know, you go out west and you get Stillwater, Eugene, yep. South Bend, South Ann Bend, Arbor. Indiana, yep, yep, yeah. yep. No, I agree. No, I, Columbus, yeah. ain't, well, Columbus, actually, Columbus is a big city. so not Columbus. Columbus is big, but still, I mean, even the cities that are decent size become, like, so ingrained in that culture on Saturdays. Right. In, in Nebraska, when that, when Memorial Stadium is filled up to capacity for Cornhusker football games, that stadium is the second or is the second or third biggest city in the state of Nebraska. Just that stadium becomes in population top three in the state of Nebraska every time it's filled up. And you want to tell and you want to tell me that Lincoln, Nebraska is not going to like feel something from not having 70,000 fans rush into it six times, six times a fall. Right. Not have those players on campus, not have everything going within that. I hear you. Because, like, yeah, I college town, college towns are always are already going to be hit with a bump or like a negative bump, depending on whether or not students are even coming back. Because even if they come back, how much are they going to be involved in the community when they can't really be going out and doing things, spending? But the towns that are so dependent on football are going to be the ones that are hit the hardest because of just the impact that it has. Um, my, my last words, and that, that was very well said. And that's kind of, then by the way, folks, this is coming from a guy who does play, play at a college in a small town. Now plays a different sport, but still plays high level college, college baseball. Okay. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. Okay. So, you know, and, and yes, Saturdays in the fall from September, you said September to September to December. Make that January for ball for bowl games. Make that January because that's true. They're early, early. Right, actually, last year was the middle of January with ball yeah, games. Jan- mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the national championship game was January thirteenth earlier this year. Okay, right. I mean, and, and my my last words are partly on that same front. I mean, to. T- all right, I, I, I'm I'm trying to keep my composure. Um, to to 
to say that I'm disappointed with co- with college football is a grotesque understatement, and I'm not I, I'm not unbiased here. I'll just go out first one to say this: sports are a huge, like almost my entire existence. Okay, I play. I have a sports podcast that I'm doing right now live. By the way, you can find it on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You know, just a little shameless self-promotion in there. But, no, but all seriousness, man, I mean, co- college, NCAA, you had all this time, okay? I just need to know if all these different conferences, you have a college football playoff. It is based on the five power conferences in America. Justin Fields plays on one of those power five teams and one of the most iconic uh, college teams in the world. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, And by the way, uh, are we we just supposed to sit up here and say that the Ohio State Buckeyes were not going to be if not the number one team in the country, what they're no worse than three, maybe. May, I don't even. I don't even think three. Three might be even too low. They might be the second best team in the country, partly because of that guy. And I and I, if I had a hat on, I'd I'd salute Justin Fields for what he's doing. It ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. It's not gonna happen. And uh, by the way, they're not playing in the spring either. It's not happening. They're not playing in the spring because if you're telling me that this is about health and safety why in the hell are you going to play why the hell are you going to play uh two two seasons of college football in 6 months i think that's a good idea i i, I need to know that i i mean i mean we well, were eight, 7 8 months sorry about that cuz the the regular college season about 6 months anyway so what 7 8 months you're going to play two college football seasons in a full contact sport but 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 i but but I, i'm seeing the ACC, I'm seeing the Big 12. I'm seeing the SEC. Hey, I'm seeing them going going as usual. They're kicking the ball off, man. I want. Hey, I I'm we're both college age kids. Like this matters to us. Like this matters. Like we're both like in it in one way or another. You play, and I. I'm a marginal athlete. Yeah, could I play in college if I went to a college? Maybe. I'd probably be a walk-on. I'm not going to be like you getting, you know, you you got legitimate offers to play. Okay, like, I'm a marginal athlete. But still, like, this hits home to us. This is home to Justin Fields. Justin Fields, who's about to make millions and millions of dollars. I mean, you and I are not on his level. This guy's about to make $35 million in that next Next February, next next April. Sorry, when he gets when he gets a top five pick by the Detroit Lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, maybe if the Patriots stink enough, maybe they'll get him. I don't know, but I, I mean that that is what that that's what's going on. Mark Ember and the NCAA need to be ashamed of themselves that this has gone as badly as it has. Same thing with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. You got your players who want to play who are saying, hey, we are better off doing this 
being on our campus playing college football and out in our own communities when we're just doing whatever you want because hey little known fact some of these guys are playing high level college football hey not all of them come from the suburbs of dc like the two of us do some most of these guys come from the inner city most of these guys come from not a whole lot of good stuff this has got so much undue unintended consequences that Mark Ember and the NCAA literally did not have to do this, but this has turned into a complete atrocity on epic levels. And until a football gets kicked off and we're looking at a TV set Saturday at noon and what, and where, where are we at? We're at, we're at a, we're down a, like a week, right? Aren't we like in the week zero game in, like, isn't that coming up in, like, a week or two? Like, isn't that, isn't that happening? Is like, what are we doing with that? I think I it's mean, supposed to be. I mean, so, that, I mean, that that's, that's that, I mean, NCAA, get it together. But then again, um, the NCAA has never gotten it together. I'm a little bit older than you. The NCAA has been terrible since I've been alive, and when I'm dead and gone, they'll be just as terrible. Okay? They're incompetent. They're incompetent people. Like I, I can't, I can't. You, you can't legislate safety into things that just ain't safe. And unfortunately, folks, this pandemic is not safe, and you will never, ever, ever cancel out all the risk. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to 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 put this out there for everyone and to inject a little common sense i mean i'll have all the answers i'm 21 years old what the hell do i know um i know that when you walk outside hey you hey i, I walked outside a couple a month and a half ago you know what happened to me right i walked outside i thought i was being safe mind my own business trying to cross the street and then a couple seconds later guess what i wasn't crossing the street no more hey that's the risk you take this this risk this risk in this world, man. You can't legislate safety into unsafe things. And until these people understand that, we're not going to get anywhere in this world because everybody's going to be too fear based and too scared for the backlash instead of taking the chance and living with it. You know, so you know that that's that's my little diatribe on them. Get it together. Get it together, NBA. Oh, not NCAA. Get it together. And also, um, Fernando Tatis Jr., keep stunting on these people, bro. I'm an outlier note. Keep stunting on them. Don't listen to your manager. They, they, look, Tatis Jr. need to go talk to his manager and say, hey, man, I, I didn't appreciate that none, what you did to me. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't appreciate that. You know that's how I play. I don't appreciate you doing that. Eric Cosmer, mm-hmm. same thing. Anybody who had a problem with that, I need for Tatis Jr. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Everyone else, everyone else is on your side. You got masses of people on your side that are okay with you playing the game. So don't 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 change for nothing. You are one of the best players in this league. I enjoy you. Noah enjoys you, and a whole bunch of people around the world, whether they root for the San San Diego Padres or not, enjoy you very much. 
Same thing for Juan Soto. Keep doing what you're doing, son. You, you, it's, it's, especially Juan Soto's case, it, it's paid off pretty well. He's 21 years old and has already got a World Series championship ring to his name. Mm-hmm. And could have been the damn MVP of the series while, yeah. while we're talking about it. Right. But that that's my diatribe. I'm going to uh, save all the rest of it for another date and time. Noah, you got to get out of here at some point, man. Hey, all all the love to you. I we will I, I will be seeing you. We will be seeing each other at some point. We're just gonna have to make at, at some point if you want to just go get some workout in playing playing baseball, just you know, let me know because I haven't been off a tee in like two months, like two and a half months. So I need like live pitching badly. So um let's let's work something out off offline. But my guy, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, bro. Yes, sir. All right, guys. This has been the Always 100 Podcast. Thursday. Thursday show still in, uh, still playing the Thursday show. Um, but we're probably going to look ahead to the baseball weekend, uh, preview the biggest series going on there, and uh, we'll get that up for you Friday morning. So this show will be up in a couple hours. But until then, until Thursday, for Noah Adcock, I'm Quinn McKenzie. Follow the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your audio. And like, subscribe, listen, and rate. Until Thursday, for Quinn and Noah, we'll see you then on the Always 100 Podcast.